At next Guru Talk Show, we talk about people and projects in DeFi, Web3 and crypto. My name is Roman and I am the host. We are conducting a series of interviews with people who build the future of decentralized finance. We are all human beings. We believe that people follow people when they make trading and investing decisions. Without further ado, let's begin. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. Exciting to have you here. Let's start with our first question. I'd like to ask you to introduce yourself to the listeners and give a bit of a background about yourself. Yeah, hi everyone. I'm Chris Gardner. Everyone knows me as that on Twitter's page, but uh, my name is Christian Espinosa. Um, my background, I'm a computer science engineer. I graduated like 10 years ago. A little bit more, actually, but I have been always interested in computers and and I work as a smart contract developer at Cryptex Finance. Been working on the project for a couple of years now, um, and and yeah, I am really excited to be here and talk about the project itself, so everyone can can better understand like what's the potential of of being a smart contract developer. Would love to hear a bit of how you got into DeFi initially. What attracted you to this industry? So around to twenty. 13, I started working like I really like like I say technology, so I, I I was working a lot on tech startups, uh, doing research and trying to build my own startup. At the time, I wanted to build something that was mobile payments, but um, we went to well, I was accelerating to accelerator in Silicon Valley. Uh, I pitched the, the project in Google, in Yahoo, and different PCs, and and everything was moving forward. But when I went to my country to try to implement the project, actually, I got a lot of uh, regulators trying to stop the project. So actually, it never passed the pilot uh, uh, phase, uh, the prototype phase. So I pretty much was really disappointed. Uh, I want to, I stopped working on fintech at all. I had researched Bitcoin at the time because, like I said, I, I was working on mobile payments and Bitcoin was a lot of what people were talking at the time. So I heard about it, I read about it, but I just left that over there. And a few years later, uh, after doing some research on implementing medical records on blockchain and stuff, uh, there was something called, and some friend of mine was talking about Ethereum. So because at the time I was like trying to do color coins and stuff that that in Bitcoin that is really complicated. It's not really smart contracts for it. So he was talking about Bitcoin, about how we should like use it for for the smart contracts. We created uh, a meetup, invited some people to talk about how to build smart contracts, and pretty much that's how I fell into rabbit hole, like coding. Like it was amazing, like just coding a function that could accept money, uh, receive money, or send money. It was like really amazing. Like you just have to add some code, and you can do amazing stuff and invent crazy stuff. So I started working on coffee-related blockchain products, uh, like sending tips to farmers, traceability to farmers, uh, loans to farmers, and at some point doing work, uh, traveling a lot, doing hackathons, and and, and being active on crypto Twitter. I met uh, Raúl Jordan, which uh, um, was um, co-founder with Preston on Prismatic Labs, and Preston. I mean, uh, we keep in touch for with email. Uh, he was looking for a smart contract developer for Cryptex. So um, he introduced me to the team. I loved the idea. And that's actually how I started working like full time on 
DeFi. Uh, I mean, I was I was working full time already. It wasn't really DeFi. It was like a bunch of different stuff, uh, maybe with a little touch of DeFi. But Cryptex is like my first DeFi project full time, and that was before the the that was before the DeFi summer. So it was really an amazing time to to work on DeFi. What was your aha moment in transition to DeFi? What was the point of no return? I mean, I think it was at, at least for me it was when you could start building new stuff uh, that didn't exist. But what pretty much started like blowing my mind was when I first saw a Uniswap demo of work, working on Twitter. Like you could swap tokens using uh, Twitter. It was like really incredible. I mean, I, I never saw that before. And things were hap- keep happening that were like blowing my mind. Like for example, Maker when they launched uh, Die single 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 Die, uh, and then Compound uh, that collateral. I mean, the interest-bearing tokens. I mean, it was really amazing that you, you can call it an asset and the how asset was actually accruing interest. So every, like, the first DeFi uh, primitives were, like, something that really, um, really changed my point of view of how DeFi was going to revolutionize, uh, revolutionize the, the world. And so far, it has been doing flash loans and a lot of stuff that has been going out has proven to me that I, I made the, the right choice to stay on DeFi. What was DeFi like when you started compared to now? What changed in sentiment? So when I started, I think Uniswap was about to launch. Um, DAI, I mean, there was no stable coin. So I, I, I actually started like Ethereum before that, around the ICO. So um, a lot of stuff that made no sense. But I mean, DAI was about to launch. So I was reading a lot. So everything was like, we are building stuff, uh, but still nothing has been like changing. Then the bear market comes and everyone was, I mean, the markets were like really, really low. Everyone was like disappointed. I mean, the the retail and normal people, but the builders, the developers, everyone was excited because a lot of things were happening. I know that it, it, it kept like that for many years. But then the 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 DeFi summer triggered um, the the bull market, and that's where things started to change. I mean, there was so much noise. Uh, I remember like hearing about the vegetables, the stuff like the pizza, the hot dog token, and a lot of nonsense tokens that make sense. Um, it was like easier to keep track which project was good on the bear market. I guess that's the reason why people, at least developers and innovators missed the bear market because it was easier to, to see. I mean, if you were building on the bear market, pretty much, it's pretty sure that you were building something great. Uh, on the mall market, is like a lot of noise, like a lot of random token, a lot of projects with just white papers. No, they don't even do white papers. They just do like NFT drops or something like that. But uh, there's still like great things building. It's just that it takes more time to be like, analyzing and, and finding out what's good and what's not. Can you please tell us about product more? Who uses it and why? Uh, sorry, can you repeat the question? Can you please tell us about Cryptex more? Who uses it and why? So Cryptex is a DAO, um, but the idea of Cryptex was to build financial tools for different actors. Uh, and we wanted to focus like on, on normal people that don't have a clue about uh, 
about DeFi and stuff like that, but still like wanted to use the product. So our flagship product, like our first product is a synthetic asset that tracks the total cryptocurrency market cap. So that's TCAP, the, the, the token that we, that we launched. So how it works is um, you have, like, we have an index provided by Chainlink where um, we track the total cryptocurrency market cap and then we add collateral, something like MakerBolts work, or you add collateral, and that allows you to create this synthetic asset. Uh, and the price of the asset uh, around the total cryptocurrency market cap. So if the total crypto market cap is two trillions, a TCA price is $200. So depending how it moves, it's called the price will move. So TCAP and Cryptex has two users. The first one is the normal retail user that they, they want some exposure to cryptocurrencies, but they don't know what to buy because, like I said, there is so much noise. So an index token definitely makes sense. Uh, what's the issue with some index token like um, DPI or, or some basket tokens is that you only track certain specific uh, tokens that need to be approved by the DAO. So um, you can really add any kind of token because, of course, that would put that 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 that, that uh, they will make like a lot of danger in the in the basket if you put any kind of asset. But TCAP like is it's a synthetic token in the sense that it's it means that pretty much you are not going to have be buying like the scam coins. You are just targeting the total crypto market cap. So that allows you to I mean. That means that Pika moves like slowly, like uh, not, it doesn't go up or down like really crazy. It's, it's kind of like a stable asset that long, like you could say an index token, but it's really good. I mean, if you think that the market cap is going to, to go up and you just buy it, if not, and you just don't buy it. That's how the logic for a normal user will be. And in the other case, you have that the power DeFi user that is the one that is meeting and selling Pika. And pretty much this is like more of a fancy user, which is going to mean TCAP and is pretty much going to short along the total crypto market cap. So depending how he sees the market is going to behave, he's going to mean you die, sell the TCAP and then repay their loan and stuff like that. And, and, and that's how TCAP, I mean, our, our goal is to TCAP is on the hands of the normal users. Uh, for example, in developing countries, usually you only have the only thing you can do with your money is put it in the bank. Maybe buy some houses, uh, maybe buy some land and stuff like that. That's the only thing you can do. You, can, you, you can't really buy stocks. You can buy indexes. You can't really invest in anything else. Maybe in cryptocurrencies, right? But this allows you to like um, diversify your portfolio a little. I mean, you don't have to spend like millions of pickup, but you can like put a couple of hundred bucks and diversify a little your portfolio. And that's our goal that anyone can use and buy TCAP with no, without knowing how people could uh, work or having to mint it themselves. What's the product backstory? How did you come up with the idea? I actually, I wasn't like involved in the idea. That was Joe, which one of the founders. He met uh, with the rest of the team with Preston and, and, and Tom to, in order to like cook this idea. I actually came a year after the idea was like, on on pilots and testing in like a more basic uh, stage, and they pitched me the, <clears throat> this idea with some mockups and stuff like that, and that's when like we started like building uh, the the product. 
but I, I don't really, I mean, since the start of the pitch, I really liked it. I mean, why, the, the first thing I, I asked myself was, and I asked the team was, why this doesn't exist yet? And everyone was like, I know, I don't know why it doesn't exist. It makes sense. And yeah, it definitely makes sense. How did you validate idea at the first steps? So I guess talking with users, um, talking with everyone, pitching the idea. They, they provided feedback. We have some Discord uh, in the early stages and the community was active over there. Also at Telegram, we closed the Telegram because there was a lot of bots and spam and everything. We couldn't control it really much. So talking with users uh, really gave us the confidence that this product uh, was useful for them and will be needed. Did you get the funding to build the product? So Cryptex was all self-funded. I think it's one of the uh, this is one of the only DAOs that is capital. Everything has been self-funded by the by the team and by the by the community. Great. What went into building the product? How long did it take from start to release on mainnet? So it took like two years. I think, that, like you say, the first more like idea construction, validation, and early prototypes. Uh, and at this stage, that the team wasn't like full time. But uh, on the second year, that it was like the heavy development cycle, um, I started working like full time on all creating the contracts and the dashboard. It took us like, I think six months of development, but we actually, before launching, so we were ready to launch. We had an audit and we were about to launch, but we decided that we would launch in the most decentralized way. So we actually added a DAO into the protocol at that point. So that actually took us a few more months, another audit. And it was almost a year to launch into mainnet into a complete sense since we added the DAO to the, to the project. I think the harder part was to build the, the, the oracles. At first, like we were, we lost a lot of time trying to build a decentralized network and everything for the oracles to work. But at some point we started talking Chainlink and Chainlink allow us to, 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 to actually stop uh, worrying about the Oracle, and they actually provided a, a, a solution that was more decentralized, more efficient, and more cheap than what we, whatever we could have built in all that time. Even one year is a long period in fast-paced crypto space, and the uh, crypto landscape uh, obviously evolved while you were building. Does it affect somehow what decisions you have made on scope or features? Yeah, so so actually, we you know, Preston is a very good figure. Uh, I and the rest of the team also tried to be like public. I mean, he's the one that's more famous, but but every one of the thing is like public. We don't, we are not anonymous or anything. So we didn't want to like have people money because of bugs and stuff like that. So we tried to do everything according the the best guidelines for the for the smart contract development that that some people weren't like following. Like we never deploy anything. I mean, we have things ready to deploy, but we tested for months on mainnet with, I mean, on, on testnet with real users. We had tests and coverage for everything. We had two audits for the release. So it will be like to just have an idea, code it, deploy it. But that's why a lot of people lose money because of hacks, bugs, and stuff like that. And we didn't want people losing money because we did, we weren't like really too diligent. And, and so far, I mean, the, the first week of the protocol, when we launched, we have a LinkedIn uh, event that, is, that, that the goal was to 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 distribute CTX that is the, the the token of the protocol. And at some point, we had almost 95 million of dollars on the protocol, which is a lot. 
and 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 we were i mean we were we were not worried we we didn't have like that thing i mean that thing of, of that of us like we are going to get or we are going to get uh i don't know exploited or something because we 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 follow like all the guidelines we have like hard forking and a lot of stuff to prevent this and to give us like um allow us to sleep in the night without worrying with all you explained before there's uh next questions i'm sure listeners would uh, want to know more about how did you handle security in in your product how safe is it i mean is which the... precautions were taken yeah yeah it's like nothing is like 100% safe everything has risk even our ui still have stapera is cool like this product on um like on, on your own like uh, we we still think it's like a beta remove it soon because it has been like almost a year into mainnet with no issues so uh, the first thing is like we code everything we we use the test driven development uh, way of creating the contracts we first create test and then we create a code then once a feature is like uh, created Well, I'm just keeping the part where we plan it, right? Like we talk with the team, like this is needed and stuff like that. So first we 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 code the the feature. Then before merging to the repo, we have someone from the to review with. Then we deploy it to to Ringfi, and then we deploy the the UI with the front end, and then we start like testing. We share with the community for early testing, and then we deploy it to well. Before deploying to main it, usually we have uh, some kind of audit. Sometimes if it's a feature like really big, we have uh, we try to get an audit. But if not, it's just a sanity check from auditors, like just checking, not a formal audit, but but allow it to, to fix uh, like to in case we miss something like it was crucial. But usually that's the process that we have. And we we like our code to be reviewed. Of course, it's public. Uh, the community can review it, and then once it's reviewed, we what we do is we deploy it to mainnet. But it's only, I mean, we publish it in a UI that is only public for, for testing. Like, it's not like every user is going to see only the ones that, that are more knowledgeable. And then we test it over there. We, we make the announcement that it's live for everyone. That's our whole cycle works. Uh, we are going to launch at some point bulk bounties because we want that everything deployed is still safe and people can actually, uh, have some kind of incentive to actually uh, find bugs and stuff like that. Developing product in decentralized finance almost always means that you have to be in close contact with a lot of people in the crypto community. Who are people or products that help you out and who would you like to highlight more? We talk a lot with, for example, the Quantstamp team because of audits, reviews and sanity checks. They help us a lot with everything that we do. We also talk a lot with the Chainlink team because they help us with um, with launching new products or Oracle. Some ideas that, that we are working. So usually we discuss them with them first, trying to see what's possible, what's not. Uh, and then, of course, I think that the, the major impact and the ones that, that makes more impact in our DAO is the community. We always try to pitch ideas and stuff to the community first. We have a forum and anyone can make a post over there. If not, we have some chats for the Discord that are only active, accessible to people that have like the governance token or if they have some kind of proof like active on governance voting and stuff like that. So I think the community is really important for us. And we try to talk with other DAOs. We, we always talk, respond, make calls with people that, that, 
I want to work with us. We're open to working with other DAOs. Uh, I was reading today a tweet from Milwaukee where he says that DAOs are not digital companies. They are more like networks. So you can connect with other networks when you're on a DAO. It seems like a really great idea, which kind of should sell itself. But uh, let's talk about some uh, some best scenarios. What difficulties in onboarding and getting access for the new users do you see in future? So right now the cost is low, but we're launching a time where the cost is really high. So I think um, having low uh, low low fees for users is critical. Uh, I, I can't really wait. For for a CK EVM to be on mainnet uh, because I, I have used Argent and different smart contract wallets and they definitely like no safe different apps that use smart contract wallet really doesn't work on mainnet but the UX I mean you can build really awesome for for those kinds of users you don't have a need of a secret phrase or the mnemonic uh, you just only need to create an account save it on Google Drive, add some kind of guardian or friends to help you recover your account. And that's all. I mean, if the fees are cheap, you can use it with ease. And if you need to move to another phone, you just recover your account. So so definitely like UI, UX is really important for, for new users. But I guess the audit has and everyone is working towards that, like trying to fix the experience of every kind of user. What are some possible technical limitations for, for the product development? Mm, I think doing stuff decentralized is complicated. It's really hard. Like we could launch a lot of products right now, but we, are, we haven't launched because we can't really find a decentralized way to do it. And if we don't launch it in a decentralized way, it has like thousands of risks that we don't really want to put our users into that position. Because usually users don't really like read the warnings, they don't read uh, the documentation, they don't read the web page, they just like hit the button. Maybe not everyone, but there is always someone that does it and puts a lot of money and you don't want people losing money. So so trying to launch everything in the centralized way takes more time, but in the end it's more worth it. Can you tell us more about not how your users make money, but how you're doing it? What's your business model? So for now, that DAO has a burn. You want to like uh, burn your debt and get back your assets. You have to pay the burn fee. But we have planned to actually use some kind of interest uh, model in the sense that we want to put that to work the assets that are the TCAP or any kind of synthetic asset. And instead of charging a burn fee, we make make it free. But the DAO like the the interest from that collateral in deposit on the on the protocol. Let's talk about the market more broadly. Is there anyone who you consider your competitors? And how do you differentiate? I think there are like different index tokens uh, or basket tokens that you could say that there are competitors. So the main difference is that Cryptex is a synthetic asset. Others use the basket model, which, like I said, it works for, that, for different stuff. Because if you hold a basket of like what you call DeFi blue sheets, um, they can definitely, if, they, if there's like a, a bull market on DeFi but not in ETH, you are going to have a lot of the exposure of those tokens. But on the bear market or ETH is just the one that's moving, um, it's better to just hold ETH. The pickup moves kind of like uh, how ETH moves, but of course uh, it, it, it's like a different kind of risk. And 
Rebasing tokens are rebasing index token are another way of creating a, you could say a competition token of this, but rebasing has the problem that rebalancing happens not like on time. It happens like 24 hours or however you code it. And sometimes these algorithmic rebases go, tend to go like really crazy, like go down because sometimes words like Ponzi economics. So um, I, I guess that's like the difference. Yeah. Basket, synthetic, and rebasing are the kinds of as you can have. In the end, uh, I think uh, the, the synthetic wave, it, we, we, we search it like which ones make sense for us, at least the synthetic way is the, the one that we want to keep pushing forward. Who do you consider the target market for your, for your product? So anyone that wants to invest in the cryptocurrency market or in cryptos, that's like our target user. We also want to target users that want to make money by providing liquidity or, or, or taking advantage of the TCAP design, the cryptic design. Like the other day, I saw an instant tweet, how would you use TCAP to, to chart the total cryptocurrency market cap? So it's really interesting how people can think of st- strategies to, to take advantage of the product. What are Cryptix's goals for the future? And how do you plan to accomplish these goals? So the first one is like we have uh, a lot of improvements that are planned. Uh, we expect to announce more in the next community call next week. So I don't know if they can share much details on that. But we want to make a lot of things on some stuff that, that we have right now. And after that, we want to focus like on layer twos. Uh, like I say, GASP is a user issue. So we want to launch on, on layer twos to, to have people like mean TCAP or TCAP with really low fee. And after that, we want to launch uh, version two of the bots that to allow us even more products and even more uh, strategies for minting the synthetic assets. Great. Do you see any big roadblocks that lie ahead and uh, not related to technology? Mm, I think that at some point we're going to reach the user base that is not really knowledgeable of crypt- uh, cryptocurrencies or how they work. So we are going to hit a uh, education roadblock. We are going to have to start like uh, as a community and even as an industry trying to educate more people to avoid scams and stuff like that. So I guess that's a really important stuff that we need to tackle. Do you think it's uh, there is a need for regulation uh, for novices in the industry? Um, sorry, can, can you repeat the question? Okay, let's uh, reframe it. Uh, what is your position on the regulatory landscape? Oh, so so I think it's really important that we have some kind of or try to talk with people that are in charge of regulation in each country which we are part of. Because I know people, for example, that are in, or that they want they have the possibility to go to the US live. But they don't do it because the crypto regulations are too harsh. Uh, but you have other countries like Portugal, um, uh, Switzerland, or uh, El Salvador that have like um, East regula- regulation for crypto users and for pro- uh, protocols. So in the end, if you have a region where everyone has like tax-free capital gains, and DAOs can be created as a legal entity. Everyone is going to go to that place. And in the end, the DAOs are affected. Are the real? Are the users that the regulators are trying to protect? Like I have seen, like many airdrops, like pretty much free money. 
that is not being sent by people in the U.S. because of regulation. Can you share with us uh, what are your thoughts about the future for the whole DeFi market? I'm not really sure what's the future, what the future is, but I'm pretty sure that uh, the technology and people will keep creating amazing stuff, especially combination of the stuff that are right now really worth exploring. For example, NFTs, DeFi, play to earn, DeFi. So you have everything separate right right now, but we are going to get a point. You are going to start mixing stuff, and this is going to get into a new, you could say, a new era of cryptocurrencies. Thank you for all these insights. But we'd like to get to know you better. We believe that people invest in people, and that's why we ask our guests to spend some time on personal questions. We want to understand your values and how they influence your decisions. And my first question is, uh, when you think of the word successful in crypto and DeFi, who's the first person who comes to mind and why? I think Vitalik, for, at least for me, is like a successful person in blockchain. Uh, he created a protocol that has been live for a lot of time, and he's a public figure. That's the reason why I don't say like someone like Satoshi. And, and we, I know that there are a lot of successful people that I follow in space, but... The predicts are some that you don't really know if they are going to last. But Ethereum has lasted and probably will last much more. And I think in the end, that's what everyone wants, protocols and projects to last. The crypto landscape is mosaic. Uh, a lot of people with opposing opinions. What do you consider the worst advice he or here in DeFi? So um, as a worst advice, I would say people usually recommend to just invest in everything like aping, like here's an airdrop, use it or stuff like that. Or you try to attack people when they get hacked or stuff like that. So I guess that's like the, the worst advice. I will tell users to do their own research, like try to read a lot and following important people. So that came from them. There are rumors that there is life beyond centralized finance. Uh, so I want to ask you, do you have uh, any obsessions you explore in the evenings or weekends? Do you have any hobby? So outside of like reading the Twitter and stuff like that, I usually, uh, I like to help entrepreneurs, like trying to get into technology. To be honest, I try to, to encourage everyone like to build something on, on blockchain. But that's like, I like reading Twitter, listening podcasts on, I don't know, health, like longevity is something that I, I really enjoy. Industry is moving at pretty fast pace and uh, everything changes and uh, opinions changes too. What have you changed your mind about in the last few years and why? Like five years ago, four years ago, I used to talk a lot of blockchain. I usually use Bitcoin as reference. I always say that Bitcoin was the future. And right now at this point, I'm, I actually, I mean, it's not, I always say like Bitcoin thing better than your fiat, but I don't know if it's like the best solution because, I mean, right now it is, maybe it's going to be, but if Bitcoin doesn't change anything in like 10 years, I don't see a future for it. Uh, so I guess that's something that I have changed my mind from being a Bitcoin lover to, to I don't know if Bitcoin is the future. Everyone who builds in DeFi lives it crazy pace and it's challenging to stay in shape. The daily routine is very important to stay productive in the long run. Do you have any morning rituals? Uh, what do the first hour of your day look like? So my, my morning is really relaxed. wake up usually because of the sunshine hitting on my face. I grab my phone. I kind of open Twitter to see like the light. 
so it, it wakes me up. Then my dog usually starts like barking because he wants to get out. So I, I usually like the first thing before going out of the bed, what I do is that I give a kiss to my wife to sleep. Then I take out my, my dog with some headphones, random podcast. My brain is not ready yet. So the first thing that I do get back home is brewing coffee. But I don't brew normal coffee. I usually use like drip coffee, uh, like a B60 or something. So that's like, I think that this is like what just gives me like my brain the energy that it needs. Not drinking the coffee, but the process of in the, process, the coffee because I have to think, I have to wake everything. I have to, to do a, a process that if you want like the coffee to taste good, you have to follow the, the rules like 45 seconds and throw, add some water, the water at this temperature and doing circular motion and stuff like that. So it takes me like five to 10 minutes to just brew the coffee and then can I enjoy it? The price is the coffee. Then I just take a, a seat and start reading and drink that coffee that I, that's usually how my morning starts. Sounds like a pretty good start. What would constitute a perfect day for you? Mm, so I, I guess after my routine, like a perfect day will be like having no interrupt, like working if I have to work, like uh, taking rest if I have to rest. Like, I don't know. I like to plan stuff. So if everything that I plan uh, happens, I would say that it's okay. From perfect days, let's talk about perfect places. Is there some place in the world you have visited that you felt really had an impact on who you are today? I don't know if right now is this place going to have an impact in me because I spent a while since I went there. But the first time I went to Silicon Valley, I actually went to San Jose, California and was traveling a lot to San Francisco. It, it had a lot of impact uh, to me because usually I come from a place where you don't have events, meetups or stuff happening. Like if you have something, one event on the year, it was a lot. But in Silicon Valley, you have like one event of technology every day, or actually more. I, I remember I was living on free pizza and beers from events, and free events, and actually learning. There was a lot of energy helping people teaching, and I don't know if that happened, if that's the reason I can really recommend it. But I felt the same sensations going to Web3 and to crypto space. Everyone is helping. If you tweet someone, they most likely will retweet you, I mean, reply you. And everyone wants to help because everyone is learning. There are no blockchain experts. There are no blockchain a PhD. Everyone is learning. So it's easier to learn together. So I guess crypto Twitter is like the best place to be right now. What is the best or most worthwhile investment you've made? And it's not necessarily investment of money. It could be time energy or any other resources? I think that, uh, of course, uh, outside of money, related investments, that comfort is the best investment you can have. I, I really enjoy and love comfort. So, for example, like one of the first things I, I bought when the COVID started was a really, really expensive but comfort chair. And, I mean, I, I love it. I, I love sitting on that chair still. Like two years after, I still enjoy it. So I would suggest like you invest on comfortable stuff. Like if you are in the bed all day, invest in good bed. If you like traveling, buy maybe not expensive tickets like in first class, but if you are going to pay like $20, have more room legs or stuff like that, just pay it because you are going to using that a lot. So at least for me, comfort is like a really good investment.
Do you have uh, the book or the books uh, you have given most as a gift or recommend often? I think that the book I most recommend, I used to recommend because right now it's more common, but it was the four-hour week of Tim Ferriss. Uh, usually people like tend to work a lot on their jobs, on the, their physical jobs. I used to hate going to my job. But this book, two strategies to start like working remotely and stuff like that. I mean, no, most of the persons that I know work remotely. But at the time, that was like some working remotely. And I think this book gives you a lot of tips and strategies to start working remotely. Even if you're right now, we have an advantage that with pandemic, you start, you can give the excuse that you have COVID or that you want to start working remotely and you can do it before it was harder. And I recommend a lot of just titans and hard and in other kind of books from Tim Ferriss also because they have like a little bit of everything. Stuff for entrepreneurs, stuff for people that like healthcare, stuff for people that like meditation, stuff like in mindfulness. Uh, so there's a little bit for everyone. Did you have a chance to read The Tools of Titans by Tim? Yeah, I, I haven't read like, I mean, I, I, I read twice, but I usually skip like some some persons. But I, I guess when I'm going to read it another time. And he, I think he, he launched another one. It, it, uh, tribes of mentors and like that that has the same format so it, it both of those really recommend let's dream a little if you have a crystal ball and crystal ball could tell you the truth about the future or present or anything else what would you want to know i guess it will be something economic related because i know that there's some so, so many stuff that you can do with money even helping people right now some of the issues that the world has is because money is on the hand so Bad people, you could say, or people that doesn't care. If you have the real money, you could get make a lot of money. You can donate it to public goods, Bitcoin, <laughs> and a lot of different platforms that distributing uh, public goods. So if you have like that kind of power, I like get a lot of money and donate it to public goods. Continuing dreaming, let's assume time travel is possible. What advice would you give to your five or maybe ten years younger self, and by extension to our listeners who only start the way in crypto and DeFi. So besides the classic uh, one about you should buy Bitcoin, or I would say I would tell myself like drop college. It's really, I mean, I, I and people in college, but the knowledge, money that I spent just to learn so little, don't worry. Some people have lists of crazy things like skydiving, going to Antarctica, going in space. Is there something you've dreamed of doing for a long time? Mm, I think building mechanical keyboards is something that I would like enjoy. Also, maybe building or coding some games from scratch. Yep, not not from scratch. I mean, like buying all parts. And, yeah, and start like putting all together. But it's hard to find someone that wants it or can pay for it. And like parts, if you buy one part, usually it takes like to one year, six months to one year to get like one part. So it's really complicated. But it's something that I, I can see myself doing as a hobby for more time. For what in your life do you feel the most grateful? Mm, I guess just like being alive and, and not worrying about anything, having depth. I think that's how I see when I was like really young, like no depth. And having no depth has allowed me to explore many things without worrying about uh, different stuff. And that was my last question. Do you have any ask or advice or request for our audience? Some last parting words. Well, I will encourage one that are more about cryptos and TCAP to join our Discord. 
Um, you just have to follow Cryptex Finance on Twitter, and you will find the links over there. Of course, we like like people not reading, but actually being active. You can ask who you can help, and I'm pretty sure someone will uh, reach you out. Outside of crypto and stuff, just recommend to to donate to public goods, to, to start like ha- getting hobbies. I think hobbies allow you to be alone. And it's a, some kind of meditate, enjoy being yourself. So hobby is a good way to, to bend some stress. So that will be our recommendation. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show, Chris. It was great speaking with you. Thank you. Wish you good luck in all your future endeavors. And thanks to all our listeners as well. We hope that you've enjoyed the show. We are glad to have you here and wish you all the best in your life and career. To stay up to date on our latest episodes, please follow us on Twitter and Discord. If you are new to the show, we release a new episode every few days. For those of you who are regular listeners, please share the show with those around you. We will be back soon with more insights from expert guests from across the world. Have a great day. See you next time.